You're listening to the Calvary Presbyterian Church Podcast. Before we can celebrate the birth of the Christ child, we often read through the prophets. The prophet Jeremiah is sometimes referred to as the weeping prophet. The prophets overall probably weren't the most pleasant to be around. They were usually folks who lived on the margins of society with a strong wilderness background. And they were rarely filled with cheerful news or bright fortunes for the future. Rather, they were often critics of society, pointing out that the peop- all that the people were doing wrong with the hopes that their warnings would turn the people back to following God. In fact, when Jeremiah speaks these words that Marcy read, he's imprisoned at the court of the guard. The leadership of Israel has gotten so tired of him speaking out that they've locked him up. But all that Jeremiah has foretold has come to pass. Jeremiah was a prophet in a time of destruction and collapse of a kingdom. Babylon, a stronger, bigger force, has come invading Judah and Jerusalem, leaving hardly anything behind and leading the people into exile. This is a national tragedy that will shape the people of God for centuries. And here is Jeremiah, a witness to it all, one who has tried to prevent the worst of it, the one who warned that this might be possible, so surely he weeps, brokenhearted and exhausted. Biblical lore has it that he penned the book of Lamentations, and while that is probably more tradition than truth, it certainly is in the style of Jeremiah who laments again and again. Interestingly, however, the name Jeremiah means the Lord will exalt. And we see how in this chapter, Jeremiah goes from a weeping prophet to a prophet of hope, a prophet who believes that the Lord will indeed exalt, a prophet who can dream a future that seems completely lost. Throughout today's scripture, we see the world as it is and the world as it could be. It is a glimpse of what could be that stirs hope within us. There's beautiful communion liturgy that says we begin in the Lord's Supper with one foot in the world as it is and one foot in the world as it should be. And for Jeremiah and his people, the Chaldeans have come to fight and kill those living in Judah. But God says, I am going to bring it recovery and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. What is before them now is death and destruction, but what is coming is prosperity and security. For Jeremiah and his people, the land is desolate, a waste without human beings or animals. But God says, there shall once more be heard the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness. 
What is before them now is tears and tyranny, but what is coming is gladness and singing. For Jeremiah and his people, they are without a king and without a country. But God says, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to make sacrifices for all time. What is before them now is division and ruins. But what is coming is a covenantal commitment from God that says they will always be God's people, no matter what, even without the temple, even without their kings, they belong to God. Friends, this has been a tough year wrought with violence and war. To read about the destruction of Israel while Israel, Gaza, and Palestine today are being destroyed is heart-wrenching. It can all seem hopeless and doomed, but can we, like Jeremiah, dream of or imagine another way? Because within that prophetic imagination is where we find hope. And hope is necessary in times of despair. Can we imagine a ceasefire and an agreement between nations so that civilian lives are spared? Walt Disney is rumored to have said, if you can dream it, you can do it. I am a career pessimist myself, so I know that it is not as easy as that. But perhaps if we can dream it, then hope finds a way to persist and allows us to do the work necessary for the impossible to come within reach. John Edward Salk was an American virologist and researcher who developed one of the first successful polio vaccines. He spent his last years searching for a vaccine against AIDS and he once said, hope lies in dreams, in imagination, and in the courage of those who dare to make dreams into reality. Can we muster the courage needed to turn dreams into reality? We live in a time, a time of violence and anger and retribution. We see our unhoused neighbors on every corner. Making rent is only getting harder. And the price of groceries, parking tickets, and the PG&E bill are just higher than ever. And while these are certainly issues unique to our time and place, they aren't unknown or unknowable to God. And the God who is faithful then is faithful still. A dictionary definition of hope says it is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Added underneath it is an archaic definition that resounds and makes sense in the spirit of our faith. Hope is a feeling of trust. Our hopes as followers of Jesus are not fleeting or momentary, rather they are rooted in a God who is faithful. For Christians, to hope means to trust in God and to believe that God is indeed doing a new thing even as we suffer through the old things again and again. 
When we were choosing a theme for Advent this year, at first we considered another line from O Holy Night. I was particularly struck by the notion of a weary world rejoices, which is what many churches will be using through the liturgy group, A Sanctified Art. But ultimately, through Victor's nudging, we decided to go with an emphasis on hope rather than weariness, a new and glorious morn. Can we believe that morning will come after a long night, especially these nights that are getting longer and longer through the solstice? And in that sunrise, there is promise of something new and glorious. When I was a fledgling pastor in Minnesota, I led several mission trips, some of which were to our partner church in Columbia. On one of those trips, we took some youth and young adults, and one of whom was a college freshman who just charmed everyone we met. I still have on my phone a recording of him dancing with some of the older women who live in Colombia. He was fun and thoughtful and nearly fluent in Spanish, which came very handy while we were there. And it was wonderful to get to witness him share God's love with the world. Several months after we went on that trip, he was in a car accident and died instantly. I was devastated, we all were. And even though I was on maternity leave after the birth of Austin, I asked to come back to take part in his memorial service. This young man was the youngest of three children and his parents were longtime members of the congregation. His dad was able to speak at the service, and nine years later, his words still stay with me. Speaking to his son, he said, I look forward to the day when the sound of your name brings a smile to my lips rather than a tear to my eyes. I look forward to the day when the sound of your name brings a smile to my lips rather than a tear to my eyes. My friends, that is prophetic imagination. In the throes of grief, to have enough hope to believe that one day we can smile again. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, but perhaps Jeremiah's most lasting legacy may in fact be one of hope. One of the most quoted verses in the Bible is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. In this season of Advent, a new and glorious morn is promised us through the birth of a child born in a manger. In this season of Advent, a new and glorious morn is coming. Its arrival is imminent, even in the midst of despair and grief. So friends, take heart, be of courage, dream dreams, and let hope arise. Amen. Join us for worship every Sunday at Calvary Presbyterian Church on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, or watch our live stream at calpres.org slash worship.